Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And today with me is Jeffrey Hazlett. I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. But just a quick word, I might have a little bit of problems with sound today. Um, I'm in a funny place and um, sometimes that can get away in the sound quality. So bear with us if there's some excitement in the sound department and we'll do our very best. So first of all, good afternoon, Jeffrey. How are you? Oh, wonderful, Russell. Thanks for having me. You know, with sound, we have to do as best we can for the listeners because we're inside their head. Yeah. So yeah, being inside their head, this sounds always important. So thank you for taking care of that for everybody. No worries. Well, Jeffrey, I can hear from your accent that you're not... In the UK, by the sounds of things. Oh, well, you may be, of course, but it sounds as if you <laughs> hail from foreign climes. Where are you, where are you from? I, I do, I do. Although my family came over from Ireland back in 1757 into the United States. You're catching me right now on my ranch in South Dakota, which is in, for those of uh, in the UK or for around the world that are listening in, it's in the middle, uh, the upper middle part of the United States, what's called the Great Plains area. If you ever watch the movie uh, Dances with Wolves, that nice. is South Dakota. That, that all of that terrain is South Dakota. So huge space. It is, you know, I've got a little ranch. I'm looking out, out outside the window right now. And there's a river in front of me. I own the oldest bridge in South Dakota was built in 1898. Of course, that's just modern times for you guys in the UK, but you know, that's old time stuff for South Dakota. It's an old steel structure bridge, about 170 yards long. So it's kind of fun to, to have that history in my, my backyard, so to speak. Yeah, and have you got cattle in the ranch, or is it uh, we, just a? We, yeah, we do. We've got a couple of horses and uh, some cattle, and we mostly raise, uh, you know, beans and corn. So you mostly most people would call it a a farm, but you know, so many people who who don't know about farming or agriculture, they just call it a ranch. So I just go with it. It's a lot easier to say a ranch. It's dead, dead. It's quite glamorous as well. Let's be honest. <laughs> I wish it were. It was a lot of hard work. I'm sore from yesterday. I spent it's... the weekend out, out and about on the, on you know, hauling wood is what I did this weekend. So, yeah. um, got got back from a big event in Dallas and speech and and a couple speeches, and then uh, decided that this weekend I had to get some other work done outside. Perfect. Well, tell us a bit about yourself and what it is that you do. You know, I bought and sold over 250 businesses in my career, um, about 25 billion in transaction. I'm a former Fortune 100 officer, traveled around the world, uh, you know, on the uh, global. I had global responsibilities. And then I went on to to do my own TV show and podcast for CBS and for uh, 
Bloomberg Television Business Network. I did that for a while and then started the C-Suite Network, which we now lead, which has, you know, over 350,000 members and, um, you know, uh, hundreds of podcasts and television shows and, and uh, of course, uh, lots of great uh, business authors and consultants and trainers and speakers. So we've been been, been busy the last couple of years building that. And is this instead of M&A, um, bought and sold, or is this as, as well as? Yeah, no, I still do that. I serve on 14 corporate boards today. Four of them are publicly traded companies. Uh, a few of them are mine. Um, but I, you know, I do, I still do a lot of that work. I've got a big transaction closing this week, which will be great, uh, heading into our, you know, 4th of July week, uh, next week. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'll have some money, money to spend. So to, you know, to, to have available. Yeah. So I still do a quite a bit of that. I do a lot of, con uh, executive consulting or, you know, strategic consulting to companies on uh, hyper growth. That's kind of what I'm known for is being able to, you know, build brands fairly quickly and in building brands or at least the visibility of brands very quickly. You, brands take a while. I mean, brands, nothing but a promise delivered. So you have to be, make sure you're delivering on all the promises, but you know, to, in terms of being able to discover brands, reach discovery and then conversion is really critical. Yeah. So, so what's the secret of hyper growth as opposed to adequate growth? Be good. You know, it's, the biggest part is to be good. You got, you know, everybody needs to sit back. They like to build the next best widget, but it doesn't make a difference. You build the next best widget if it doesn't doesn't capture customer behavior, if it doesn't lead to, you know, what people want or how they want to use it or solve some kind of problem. So I always sit down and focus with the companies on, you know, what problem is it we're solving? And if you know what problem we're solving, well, then, then you can usually, you know, do a pretty good job. But then the key after that is then to make sure that, you know, you capture customer behavior with that. So if you're not capturing customer behavior, you try to change customer behavior, of course, you'll run into a lot of, uh, a lot of difficulties in trying to get that accomplished. So just unpack that a bit more for me um, about the capturing customer behavior. What does it mean then? Well, you know, there's an old movie, uh, what was it, Filled of Dreams, Kevin Costner. Mm -hmm. I like to refer to movies, I guess, being at, I used to be at Kodak, so we did a lot of motion pictures at the, in my career. Oh. And um, in doing so, he, he used to build, he built a baseball field and said, build it and they will come. Well, mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way with, with products, you know, or with services. You have to really be solving something. So, so when you when you sit there about capturing customer behavior, you know, even like this about, you know, building up your social profile, building up your your reach and, and discovery that I mentioned earlier. A lot of people will say, well, I like, you know, Facebook. So that's where I'm going to concentrate. Well, if your customers aren't on Facebook, it's kind of a waste of time. If you're a B2B business and you're focusing all your video on on YouTube, you're not going to do very well unless you're a how-to product, right? But if you're a coach, a trainer, a consultant, people are going to watch videos on YouTube typically in terms of mass volume, they you know to to solve problems uh, outside of like how to fix your faucet or fix your bathtub or shower or something along those lines. Well, that then uh, YouTube is great for that. But again, you want to capture customer behavior. You want to go where the people are, and of course that's LinkedIn and and then some other social medias or at least where your customers are. So I spend time finding out, you know, what my customers want, where they're at, where they hang out, what, you know, where they're looking, what they search, you know, a lot of times the authors will write a book and they'll ask other authors to, to, to uh, give them input about, do you, do you think this is good? Well, why are you asking them? Ask your customers, you know, mm -hmm. I don't ask your target audience and your, the, the folks you're trying to reach. 
And that's interesting, isn't it? A lot of successful businesses often have a, a technocrat at the top and a good sales and marketing person. The old BMO entrepreneur, the four cornerstones, you know, even builds on that, doesn't it? And, and it's often very hard to find a, a solo entrepreneur, whatever the word is, who's good at both things. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that is fair. You know, I'm a I'm a baby uh, what is a, a baby boomer in a millennial body. So I I tend to like uh, you know the digital like that side of it. It is it is a little difficult to find that now if you've done a lot of it over the years. Well, it's a little easier. You recognize it. You've trained yourself into it to some extent, um, but through the experience. But yeah, it is it is a little difficult. Well, and that's why it's important for entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs typically start off as one man or one woman bands. And then, then they then they add devout followers. So they 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 look around and say, "Hey, you can can you bounce checkbook? Yeah, okay. Then you're 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 head of finance, you know." And so they tend to grab whoever's next to them, and then they, f- they throw them into the breach. Yeah. And then then the next level is then now adding the skilled practitioners, the experts, the pros, and that's where, quite frankly, a lot of you know a lot of uh, entrepreneurs fail. And I. I talked to a CEO this morning um, that is working on a, I won't say the industry, but the guy, you know, he raised about $20 million and less than a year and a half, it's gone. Yeah. And if, and if he, and if he, you know, Russell, if he doesn't, if he doesn't get funding this week, he's got to shut the doors, Yeah. you know? And, and it's just like, dude, you, you made so many stupid mistakes. You did bring in some experts, but you didn't listen to them. You yeah. didn't pay attention to them. You, you, you know, there wasn't a decision that wasn't made in that company that you didn't get involved in. Then to some extent you shouldn't have. And then, yes. and it's, and a lot of times the people that he, that this particular entrepreneur brought in, he didn't even pay attention to their, their, their opinions or to the, you know, to what they could do because he thought he knew better. Well, no, nah, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. If you got a heart problem, go to cardiologist. You got to, a muffler problem. Don't run down to the gas station on the corner. Go yes. down to the people that just do breaks. And 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 I wonder. And I wonder if actually the um, speaker market, the guru market, is partly to blame for this because you're looking at people who are extremely rare, who are the very few people sometimes who have created the market, like the you know Steve Jobs thing. Everybody thinks they can emulate Steve Jobs, but he is an absolute flash in the pan. The vast majority of businesses yeah. are dull. They're, they're, um, they're, they're, they've got a good, sensible product. They've marketed it really well. They're solving a you know, relatively widespread, lucrative market area. And I mean, it's um, you can make a hell of a lot of money out of sewage. You can make a hell of a lot of money out of things that are not glamorous. And I think a lot of people mistake this idea with hypergrowth, don't they? That they have to, they have to be creating something that's never been created before, and that's that's yeah. the isn't it called the bleeding edge? Isn't that the old phrase? Well, I've done a lot of that in my career, and the only things that I've done, especially on the digital TV side, I've lost millions of dollars to try to get it to where it is today, and still not where I want it to be. But you know, there's a couple of things that you, that you kind of want to peel back on that, Russell. First of all, do you want to be Steve Jobs? I mean, I knew Steve used to work with him, used to call him up and he and I would yell at each other all the time uh, because of business I, things that we were at odds with, you know, he, he wasn't the nicest guy in the world, you know, but, but nonetheless, I don't want to disparage him in any way. He still did. He did, did a good job, but you know, yeah. you just got to decide you, first of all, be yourself, whatever that is, be yourself, be authentically you. And by doing so, at least you don't have to explain yourself to a lot of other people. 
but you know, when you get you get into this gurus, which many of them you can kind of call false prophets, because there's yeah. quite quite a number of them. False prophets like the Bible and false prophets like the bottom line, who tell you, hey, let me teach you the secret behind door number one, only to find out there's really, oh, let me say door number two and door number three. And yeah. you know, today you have 18 year old life coaches, 18 year old yeah. life coaches. Yeah. Well, you're not at 18, 19, you're not a life coach, you're a teen coach. Let's just be clear. You know, so, uh, you know, we, you know, and social's kind of done this to us a little bit. It, some people started believing that the model was the flash, you know, rather than the substance is the real model, the, mm. the doing the, the, the bottom line, the experience. And, you know, some of this other stuff is just, you know, you know, somebody who, who builds 2 million followers on Instagram, and then she's hired to sell t-shirts as an influencer mm. and mm. she sold and she got paid a lot of money. And she sold two, two t-shirts, you know, that tells you about your, you know, her engagement and it's, it can't all be flash and it's gotta be, it's gotta be real substance to it. And that's what, and I mean, that's what a brand is. A brand is nothing but a promise delivered. So what's the promise? What do you want to deliver? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we always go back to the old fundamentals of, you know, we work in a capitalist world, don't we? So we have to use capitalist theories and models to make, a capitalist organization work because otherwise you know you can't start you can't operate something that's bizarre in in a world that's not constructed that way except of course for the very very few people that can and this is my point isn't it but actually all we hear about is those few people and we try and create this you know i like your thing about the flash because there's also the pan isn't there and um, yeah you've, you've got to create both you've got to have that thing of solidity and legit longevity and you have to constantly learn from your mistakes and those business people who aren't making mistakes aren't taking risks i would suggest yeah but even like let's take steve steve had steve had a wonderful team around him some of the great 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 minds the cmos the the cfos the cios head of technology you know wozniak who was just you know brilliant if you ever have a conversation with Woz who I've had a chance to interview many times and has has been a friend over the years he he's he's wacko I mean, he's just off the charts. You can tell deep down this guy is deep, you know, and his mind's always churning, different things going on. And, you know, you, you've got to be able to attract that. And that, I think that's important for a leader to do in businesses. You you know, you could certainly be the flash. And I think it is important for brands, you know, uh, the leaders of the company to sell the business. Because if you sell you, yeah. you're selling the business, sell the business, sell you. And I think there a lot of people love the personality of that, you know, so where the companies take on that. And we, we miss that with some companies, but I think the companies that have, you know, have been somewhat enduring to us, like Nike, like, like Apple, you know, like so many others like mm-hmm. that, they always had that sense of personality and they always had some fairly great leaders or visionaries. I mean, look at Elon Musk right now with everything he's touching, right? Same kind of thing. And to some extent, Bill Gates was like that with Steve Ballmer and Paul White and the team. But they, you know, what's, what's really good about those businesses at the very top, boy, did they have some people around them. You but know, also, but also, there have been lots of other big businesses like that which have crashed and burned and disappeared. Kodak's one. They they yeah. they outlive their usefulness, don't they? The the you know, the Hewlett Packard thing. They they have, so, to, they have yeah. to actually evolve and grow, don't they? Oh, that's like a, people in that sense. That's my theme on all four books I've written: is change, yeah. adapt, or die. 
right? Because that's it. You know, uh, we failed at Kodak. We failed the mirror test. You looked in the mirror and said, what is it you're trying to solve? They would say, well, we're a film company. Well, Kodak was never a film company. They were an emotional technology company. I mean, they, they, they invented Kodak moments. They, they captured, you know, they made, they ma managed, they move images and information M three I squared. That's what they did. And yet they forgot to, they forgot that. You know, and so therefore they they concentrated everything on saving film, doing film that and, and the hubris of that success is what killed them. I mean, you know, they invented the first digital camera, sold it off to Apple back in 1995 yeah. with all the with all the grace of an Aconda squeezing a rabbit. I mean, uh, they just they were that powerful at that time and almost, you know, really just just did things wrong. They, they, they did things like buy it. They bought a company called Ophoto, which was a place to store your photos. And they renamed it the Kodak gallery. I mean, I, when I got there, I said, why did you guys rename this thing? And and they go, well, it's Kodak gallery. It's Kodak. And I go, we have been a gallery, something that you, you go to once a year, maybe, or you put stuff and you got to go dust them off. I said, that's Ophoto was a celebratory brand, you know, mm. and Kodak was a celebratory brand, but yet they drove it down into the ground. So, and, yeah. and, and it's, inter it's interesting about what you say there. It's interesting that you talk about two things. You talk about they forgot and mm -hmm. the hubris. And I know they're yeah. two very different things, aren't they? So, yeah. you know, one is carelessness and one is lack of competence. And it's and a, and that's a, that's a deadly that's a deadly thing because actually if you're going to make mistakes it's how quickly you can bounce back because you can argue that any bit like you said any business must change we've got to learn the lessons of that change as well haven't they but to forget yeah. to forget yeah. is it really that's, that's you, you typically forget here's how you forget by starting to tell stories about yourself mm. when you start telling yes. story stories about yourself then you that's when you really kind of forget when I first got to Kodak the first day I was there they told me and made a presentation. You know, as chief marketing officer, I'm coming in. They said, Mr. Hazel, you know, uh, every day someone comes to our website. Over a million people come to our website to see the Kodak photo of the day. Well, I was at a seminar or something here or uh, event online uh, about, a, about a year ago. And here I am 14, 15 years later, I've left Kodak. I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And they're still using that same fact. And they said, you know, over a million people come a day to see the Kodak photo, photo of the day. And I went, there's a story. So yeah. when you start getting into these stories about who you are, what you are, rather than really look in the mirror and discover this is really what it is and ask yourself the hard questions, you know, am I really breathing? Am I fogging the mirror? Mm -hmm. um, that's when you forget. You forget. And and part of building an organization is to have that phenomenon that event, I can never say phenomenon. It's one of my tricky yeah. words. I don't know why I tackle it every single time. I, I have that. I, I have. Yeah. I have verbal dyslexia myself. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I just sound like the Muppets when I, I try to tackle that one. Anyway, um, but this is the the concept. I think which is really the true nature of entrepreneur is this idea of the overnight sensation, where actually you've been working under the radar for ten years, and then suddenly you, you catch fire, and that's an interesting interesting <laughs> series of events that can happen these days, isn't it? <laughs> It is. Me, it is. Teach me how to say it. Feel well, free. but you know, but it, but it's not. It's not so much they were working under the radar. They just never made it above it, which means. So a, a lot of times we always strive to for perfect, 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 perfect. And I tell people, look, once done is better than perfect. But once done, strive for perfect, which means 
you know, this whole thing, we're afraid of failure. And, and, and it's not about failure that we should be worried about success. We should be striving for success. Get to success. Now, so don't fail fast, succeed fast. Mm-hmm. And so what if, if you're that entrepreneur, especially reiterations right now, software, whatever, get out there. I mean, when, when, when George Eastman launched Kodak, he, his product failed 100% for the first number of years. I mean, people would take photographs and they just wouldn't turn out right. He kept it, redo the plates and redo this and redo this. And he did it for years and replaced all that stuff. People would send it back to him. And you got to imagine what it was like to send plates back or film back yeah. at that time was, was really rough in the 1880s. So, you know, the thing for most people to remember is that, yeah, it might take a while, but just, you know, keep moving and, you know, survive until you can get there and make it happen. Yeah. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, those days it used to take a long time. And now today, what fast is, is really oh. fast, isn't it? That's yeah. the problem. Is people don't yeah. under, people underestimate the word fast. Yeah. Well, and COVID helped do that or cause some of that. You know, days became weeks, weeks became months, months became years. And now I think if you look back over, Russell, I think we forgot that whole two years. Yeah. You know, I, I and I know, first of all, we'll never go through it like we did before. It'll never happen again. I mean, I, people just won't stand for it. But the the biggest piece of it is, is that it just, it's gone. It was like two years. Now it's taken out of our memory. And it's like we, whenever that, you know, March 13th day, the Friday the 13th, it was that day. Then to, to really what was January of this year, boom, it's like, now we're done. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's a powerful thing, isn't it? To be able to, um, forget the past that's difficult yeah. because actually I, 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 it is I'd focusing like on the future yeah, yeah i'd like to forget it all it was a well, tough time it you know it was it yeah. was one of the most difficult times for everybody but you know for for what i would call for folks like you and me and others business, business first responders we talk about the first responders and and i'm not comparing us in any way shape or form to those that were you know, in the hospitals and working because there were a lot of people who died and a lot of people who were saved by certainly by the first responders. But, you know, but, you know, our job, I mean, look, I couldn't. So I don't I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I can't sew a mask. I don't even know what to do. But what I could do is help people with businesses. And I never worked so hard in my life as I did during those two years. I mean, I was exhausted. I mean, every single day just from the sheer, you know, like trying to motivate, inspire, educate, you know, and help anyone that we could in, in different ways. It, and it took a toll um, physically, mentally, and also, uh, you know, on the bank account a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we come out of it stronger. Yeah. And there were lots of uh, businesses to acquire that were that went to zero, which were worth yeah. acquiring. It's that old mm-hmm. thing about um, – look after your money in the good times because they actually really make money in the poor times. And actually we've got a potential recession coming now. This is the time to really be thinking about strategy and investment and such like, as long as you've made money in the good times. And exactly. And, and the trouble is a lot of people have never known the bad times. They've actually just seen the up, the upturn. They've never seen the bit that's the bit where in business is interesting, the tricky times. Well, if you think back over the recessions that we've had and the worldwide recessions that we've had since 1900, all the way through, some of the greatest companies in the world were born during those recessions. You know, General Motors was born. Um, let's let's go into uh, Hewitt Packard was born. Uh, Apple, Microsoft were were born uh, during that time. CNN, uh, you know, here in the United States during the last recession that we had in 2008, 2009. I mean, some of the biggest icons we we know today, Airbnb. Uber, 
were born during the middle of that recession. So, yeah. you know, my point is never waste a great recession and never waste a great, a uh, good crisis, find a job opportunity. Cause when there are bad times, there's also can be good times. Many companies had double digit growth uh, during that time period, you know, pet supply companies, uh, yeah. obviously accounting financial companies did well, Dollar Tree, which is here in the United States did well. I mean, and then companies, like I said, Airbnb and Uber, who would have thought that 20 years ago that you would have, you know, let your daughter get into a car at 1am if she's been out drinking with somebody she doesn't know or yeah. you would let someone come over stay in your house sit naked on your couch and they'd pay you money for it no one would have thought that you would you would do those kinds of businesses yet look at them today juggernauts juggernauts in the industry yeah well it's that um smashing the industry isn't it but also see as you say seeing it seeing the uh, opportunity in a crisis that's good yeah. so for people that want to know more about you find out more about your work consume some of your excellent materials where do they find out more well there's a couple of places first go to c hyphen suite s-u-i-t-e network c suite like in the corner office c suite network.com you can find out a lot about the c suite network and of course we've got members from all over the world and of course uh podcasts and tv shows and all kinds of information so it's all there and then also hazlet.com h-a-y-z-l-e-t-t.com and of course it's social media reach out on social media we'll be glad to respond to you and if there's one thought you want to leave people with today, Jeffrey, what would it be? Uh, you focus right now, focus on the things that are going to get you there. What what problem are you solving and then how to get to the right audience? That's it. Well, and that being said, um, focus is right. We said um, 20 minutes. I've stolen another five minutes of your time because I found you absolutely fascinating. So apologies for that. I'm, hopefully I'll be forgiven. Thanks so much for your time today. It's been absolutely fascinating. My pleasure. You take care. Hi everybody, I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.